Welcome to Innovative Benefit Planning's iComply podcast, where each month you will hear from our compliance experts on actionable tips, recent law updates, and strategies you can use in your workplace. Thanks for spending time with us. Now let's jump in. Hi, and welcome to the iComply podcast from Innovative Benefit Planning. I'm Lisa Hill, Director of Compliance. My co-host today is Dan Foley. He's the VP of Consulting at Innovative Benefit Planning. It's part of the team that ensures our clients' plans are always in compliance. Welcome, Dan. Lisa, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing ACA eligibility. Dan, why is this so, such a timely topic at the beginning of the year? Yeah, this is the time of year. It's kind of top of mind. Uh, everybody's kind of going through their ACA reporting, even though it has been delayed to uh, to March, uh, we find that most clients are still ensuring that their ACA reporting is, is completed. So when we think about eligibility, you know, the Affordable Care Act and the employer mandate, uh, when it came into to play several years ago, uh, made things more complicated uh, for employers. And we find that when uh, employers are doing their ACA reporting, uh, some of those mistakes uh, that they uh, may have made uh, for their eligibility is highlighted um, when, we, when we review their reporting for them. And ACA eligibility is always something that we are thinking about um, because the penalties can be steep for failure to comply. Before we get into those common mistakes, let's back up and talk about the ACA more generally. The ACA imposed an employer mandate that required a lot of employers to offer benefits for the first time. Yeah, it did. You know, um, while it didn't impact um, most of our clients and probably most employers uh, overall that were already offering benefits to, you know, a large majority of their employees, there were certain industries uh, that had never offered benefits uh, to their employees. You may be like retail, landscaping, uh, some of those types of industries. And that's kind of the crux of the reporting and why uh, the government is requiring employers to uh, document to them what they have offered to their employees and who they have offered it to. So that way they may enforce both the employer mandate uh, and also the individual mandate. Let's talk a little bit more about that employer mandate. How do we determine which employees are covered and how they are covered under the ACA? Yeah, this was a, a big change for um, most employers, uh, ensuring that they um, not only were offering benefits that maybe they had previously, but now that they had to document it. So there was a decision that they had to make. You know, how did they want to determine eligibility for their employees? And the employer mandate uh, gives you two options. There's uh, the monthly method, and then there's the look back uh, method. We found that the large majority of employers are using the look back uh, method. And there's, there's pros and cons uh, to both. Uh, the monthly method, you're looking at the hours of your employees and how many hours they worked on a month-to-month -month basis. The look-back method, uh, which we found is more prevalent, employers are determining a period of time for the previous year uh, that they wanna measure the hours for their employees to then determine eligibility moving forward. Most employers are using, on average, I would say using the 12-month um, measurement look-back uh, period, um, and that is the longest that you may go. So each year, employers uh, typically that are using the look-back method are looking back at the previous 12 months of hours work to determine who is going to be eligible for the benefits plan in the following year. So the, while the majority are using the look-back method, um, the monthly method is actually more appropriate for some employers. Um, I, we've had some new clients that were using the look-back method that in speaking with them, we determined that the monthly method um, was more advantageous uh, for them. And it was just based on um, 
the type of turnover that they have, uh, what employees they, they typically offer benefits to. So an example of a, a client that of mine uh, that was using the look back and we had them change to the monthly method uh, was, an, uh, was an architectural uh, firm and they offer benefits uh, to, to everybody. So we determined in speaking uh, with them that there was no reason for them not to use the monthly uh, method rather than uh, the look back. And there's advantages to that. You know, the advantages of using the, the monthly method is that you're able to um, terminate eligibility for uh, employees sooner than in the look back method. Uh, the look back method requires periods, stability periods, measurement periods. And once someone enters a stability period, you may not uh, terminate their benefits until they terminate uh, employment. With the monthly method, you're measuring their hours and determining eligibility each month. What we're measuring here, Dan, is uh, full-time status, correct? That's correct. So the purpose of measuring the employees is to determine their benefits eligibility. And as we know, anybody that works 30 hours or more on average uh, per week or 130 hours per month um, is eligible, should be eligible for the benefits plan, the medical plan. So the, under the monthly method, we just look at the number of hours that each employee works each month. Under the look back and stability method, which is often applied to variable hour employees, we're looking at the average number of hours that they're working per week or per month over a longer period of time, determining whether they are full-time or part-time under the ACA's rules and applying that for a stability period going forward. Can you talk about what kinds of businesses benefit most from using the look back method versus using the monthly method? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so typically industries and employers that have uh, a fair amount of turnover or higher uh, turnover uh, for them, it would be an administrative burden to look and measure the hours of their employees on a month-to-month -month basis and offering benefits uh, to employees, um, you know, throughout the year. So what they choose instead, they use the look-back method because it allows them, you know, what, what they initially called the kind of the smoothing technique. So they were able to um, kind of smooth out the hours over, a, you know, a period of time. As I mentioned earlier, typically we find employers are using a 12-month measurement period. What that allows them to do is even if there's fluctuations throughout the year, it allows them to really just uh, look at the average hours over that period of time. Again, typically a one-year period. And that's better for workforces that have more part-time variable hour employees as opposed to full-time employees, correct? That's correct. And, you know, typically hourly types of employees, maybe um, maybe more blue collar. Um, typically, you know, I've seen the monthly method, um, again, doesn't work in the majority of scenarios, but the ones that it does work in are typically more white collar where they're offering benefits to uh, most, if not all of their employees. All right, Dan, and let's talk about some of the pros and cons of the monthly measurement method and what kind of businesses would benefit most from that measurement. Yeah, great question, Lisa. You know, we mentioned the monthly method um, is more of an administrative burden because you're looking at the hours worked on a on a month to month basis. So why would anybody want to do that? Well, the advantages of doing that is it gives you the ability um, to uh, make people COBRA eligible or um, make them not eligible for your benefits plan sooner because there's no stability people that uh, no stability period that people are kind of stuck in. So when using the look back method, people enter stability period, you can't take them off uh, benefits while they're in that stability period. Well, with the monthly method, you're measuring their hours on a month to month basis. So if someone is out on an unprotected leave, as an example, and doesn't have hours worked, 
you may then make them COBRA eligible and have them enter into COBRA status earlier uh, rather than in a look back method in that scenario, you'd have to keep them on the plan as an active member throughout the stability period and wait until the end of the stability period for COBRA eligibility to come into play. That's a great point. Do we see employers who have that issue come up for them? We do. Uh, we see that come up uh, quite often. As a matter of fact, um, at some of our educational programs, we've met employers uh, for the first time that uh, were using the look back method and improperly terminating uh, people's benefits and making them COBRA eligible sooner than they should have. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the reason we're kind of having these podcasts. <laughs> Anything special that we ought to be considering when an employer has a self-funded insurance plan? Yes, um, and you know, as we are in at that time of uh, time of the year, we're ACA reporting, and we know there's some additional reporting requirements that employers have for self-funded uh, plans. When it comes to uh, eligibility, you know, we find that while most are not doing anything differently, uh, we believe that they should. We generally recommend that they do. And it really comes down to documentation, um, an area that we find uh, for opportunity for better compliance for most employers that have a self-funded plan is better documenting their eligibility. Uh, oftentimes, the eligibility language in their plan documents, in our opinion, is, is insufficient and, and more generic in nature, while they should be more specific. So what I mean by that is um, when an employer determines what method they're going to use, the look back or the monthly method, they should be very specific in what it is, what method they're using and how they're measuring their employees. So as an example, if they're using the look back method and they're using a 12 month look back period, we recommend that they have the exact dates that they're using to measure their employees hours. And then we recommend that they have exact dates for the administrative period and exact dates for the stability period. It's documented in their uh, wrap summary plan description that we, we provide for our clients. And we also recommend as a best practice that you have it in the uh, employee handbook. Absolutely. And we do, as I mentioned, uh, have a practice where we include that information for all of our employees when we draft wrap documents, um, which is one of the many services that we provide here at Innovative Benefit Planning. Anything else that we ought to be considering? Things to look at throughout the year that we um, look at these issues a lot in the beginning part of the year just because we've got all of that ACA reporting. But this is really something that we ought to be covering as we move through the entire year. Is that correct? Well, yeah, it kind of gives you um, a couple of advantages to doing that is there's less work to do all at once at this time of the year and looking at uh, all months. So January through December of 2019 calendar months. Uh, so if there are um, any reporting um, issues, you can address them you know, sooner. So if you do it maybe on a, a quarterly basis. But then the other big advantage, um, we think, is that if there are issues, if you made a mistake in terms of your eligibility, you're just able to address it much sooner uh, before it becomes a larger issue. And this is also something that we recommend our clients look at as they're going through open enrollment, right? We, that's something that's folded into our process for open enrollment um, and our methods for making sure that everybody is compliant as they move through the year. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's, it's why it's important um, to have a strategic service calendar where you can incorporate all of uh, the requirements employers have uh, to make sure that their uh, you know plans are doing all of the things that they need to. So you map them out 
you know, kind of a year in advance. Where would a client find one of those? So, well, um, there's a lot of different ways that it may be done and kind of keep uh, order to the things that you need to do as an employer. But we do that as a service for our clients. So we have, we call it a strategic service calendar where it has not only all of the um, compliance requirements that, it, that our clients have, uh, but also all of the other things that you need to do and want to do throughout the year for your benefits program. You know, the, uh, the big thing is, I think, to take, make sure you're taking seriously uh, these new requirements that you have as an, as an employer. Uh, sometimes we come across folks that think the, the government's never going to get around to, to auditing, you know, their information or they're never going to get a penalty. They're not real. They are real. Uh, we have um, been working with a number of uh, employers that have been approached, gotten penalty letters uh, that have been um, audited uh, by the DOL and improperly um, have improper eligibility uh, rules. So while it may not have affected you yet as an employer, we recommend that you take this seriously and are proactive in nature. Absolutely. And if you want to contact us for further information, my email address is lhill, L-H-I-L-L, at IBP, P as in Paul, at LLC.com. Dan's at D Foley, D-F-O-L-E-Y, at IBPLLC.com. If you have any questions, comments, anything else that you feel we should know, this is our inaugural podcast. And so we are changing things as we go. If you have any questions, you may be included in a future mailbag. Uh, thanks for being here, Dan. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your insight onto the subject. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I hope to be invited back for another future broadcast. Never. <laughs> we will absolutely have you back on the podcast. Thanks for listening. That's all the time we have for today. Tune in next month when we cover yet another pressing compliance topic on the iComply podcast. Thank you for joining us for this month's iComply podcast. Be sure to check out our website at ibpllc.com, where you can subscribe to the show, listen to past episodes, and check out upcoming events. This compliance podcast is not intended to be exhaustive, nor should any discussion or opinions be construed as legal advice. Listeners should contact legal counsel for legal advice. See you next time.